Let's have a word of prayer, and if you want to take your scriptures and turn over to Leviticus chapter 23, that's Leviticus chapter 23 in the Old Testament, that's where we're going to be uh, going into this morning. Heavenly Father, we just praise you for this gathering. Thank you for everybody that has uh, come here with the terrible weather. Thank you for everybody that works outside in our welcome ministry and uh, the joy that they bring me every time uh, that there's rotten weather and to just see how they just love to help folks. And Lord, more, more than anything else, I just pray that you be glorified in everything that is shared this morning. And Lord, we praise you for your word, praise you for your son. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you weren't with us last week, uh, we are in a sermon series, and the series is on the seven uh, major festivals that the Jewish people practice. And uh, of those seven feasts or festivals, uh, we touched on this too, that there's three major festivals, which they call the sojourn festivals, and that means uh, festivals where they had pilgrimages to the holy city. And those three major festivals are the Passover that represented the rescue from slavery, the Feast of Weeks that we talked about last week, that was the receiving of the law. And then today we're going to talk about the Feast of Tabernacles and what that meant, the Feast of Tabernacles, and that is the reflecting on the wandering years of the Israelites. So hopefully this morning as we dig into God's Word, you'll see how this applies to you and why this is an important festival that they practiced then and honestly that there are uh, evangel evangelical churches that still practice the Feast of Tabernacles uh, when I was thinking about the foundation of the Feast of Tabernacles and the, the focus of this is shelters, and we're going to get to that in just a little bit, it made me think a lot about something that is close to my heart uh, over these last few years, and that is the Appalachian Trail. And you've probably heard me mention before, I've had a couple times with some buddies to hike a few miles in the Appalachian Trail. Uh, but here's what I love about the trail. It's 200, or excuse me, 2,171 miles and there are shelters approximately every 7.8 miles. And those shelters, which I love, have names like Hawk Mountain, Blood Mountain, the place, Happy Hill. So every emotion that you can think of are these shelters. And you know when you get to a shelter, if you're on the, on the Appalachian Trail, when you get to a shelter, there's a couple of guarantees. Number one, fresh water. So you load up and get your fresh water. Uh, there's always a place to build your fire. And second of all, you're going to meet some really interesting people at these shelters, okay? Uh, downright weird people, too, you know. Um, some of them haven't bathed in a while. That's okay, you know. And you get there, and you get to hear, and I always listen for uh, the hikers that are called through hikers. Anybody know what a through hiker is? Those are the folks that are going to hike the entire trail, and it lasts anywhere from five to seven months. And if you can imagine hiking over 2,000 miles uh, and the adventure. But I'll tell you what, those shelters mean everything. Because when you are in a shelter and you're exhausted and your feet are throbbing and you're hungry and you're sharing life and you get in that tent and you get out the next morning, you're thinking, how far is the next shelter? So I understand why the shelter was important in this culture and why this is such an important festival that they practiced. So I want you to put on your experiential hat for just a second, and I want you to think if your family's ever camped together, and maybe they still do that, and I want you to throw out one word description uh, of your camping experience with your families. Now remember, you're in church, so church words, okay? So I want you to throw out words of your camping experiences. Any, any words, throw them out. 
Miserable, nice. Let's jump. Let's throw that right out there. Miserable, any other words? Cramped. What? Cramped. Cramped? Cramped. Oh, cramped. Cramped. Yes, you are cramped. Yes. Yeah. Hmm? Mosquitoes. This is a really negative service, by the way. <laughs> Boy, first service, it was s'mores and sunshine. Yeah. There we go. March. Let's give him a big hand. We finally got a good one. Okay. Right now, I don't think anybody was ever going to go camping again. Yeah. Remember, yesterday, I was watching a doc, this is, I'm a nerd, I was watching a documentary on the Appalachian Trail, and I, I started getting the juices again, so I ran upstairs and I said, hey, Maria, on our vacation this year, how about we take a couple of days in Virginia, Appalachian Trail, camp out at the most two nights, what do you think? One word, no. no. <laughs> that was it. For Marie, camping out and roughing it is a small, small bar of soap at Holiday Inn, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, so I'm sorry, that's not... That's not true. And she's just left the building. So anyway, all of us have all of these memories if we look back of camping. And sometimes it's miserable, like if we were camping in the rain. But also, our family, when we'd start reflecting of sometimes the camping experience, we still had a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. And it's interesting, if you think about your family and then multiply that to a nation, and God is basically telling an entire nation, for a week, seven days. I want you to move from shelter to shelter. Make your way to the holy city. And it will be the most festive time of the year because it's, it says it's in the seventh month on the Jewish calendar, which wasn't July. It was more like October. And so as you make your way into these shelters, you're going to experience what it's like to go back to the very beginning in a very raw state of living in a hut or a booth or a tent. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, write this word down. It's the Hebrew word uh, sukkah. It's S-U-K-K-A-H. And that Hebrew word means a hut, a booth, or a tent. Matter of fact, the Hebrew nation today still celebrates this festival. And so in the, on their property, they still will have these huts, these shelters built. And they decorate the inside. And they'll have these beautiful meals outside. And the only requirement is, is when you build your hut, you don't build it where there's already shade. This provides the shade. It's just a way to get really back to the, to the bare bone basics. Now, in Numbers 23, this is mind-boggling. It, uh, it goes through and it tells us every time that the Israelites picked up and moved during that 40 years of wandering, 37 times. If you were to go through, you can highlight every one of those 37 times. Can you imagine just your family moving 37 times in about a 38 to 40-year period? I mean, what would that do for your family? Now, imagine a nation picking up and moving, picking up and moving. That is something that they never forgot. So follow with me in God's Word, Leviticus chapter 23, starting in verse 33. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacle begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. So it starts and it ends with the Sabbath. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire, and on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by the fire. It is the closing assembly. Do no regular work. If you're to keep reading on in verse 41, let me just share this with you. Celebrate this festival to the Lord for seven days each year. 
This is to be a lasting ordinance for generations to come. Celebrate. I love that. This was a celebration. This was something they looked forward to all the years of their life. Matter of fact, if some of you are looking for uh, gifts to give each other for Easter, let me give you a good practical camping idea. Coleman has new tents. Are you excited about this? Paul, are you excited? They have new tents. Yeah, they have new tents. And this one is called the Fast Pitch Tent. It goes up in half the time. It's clearly marked. And it has a built-in closet. Nice. You can get it on Amazon for 150 bucks. So if you want to know how to get that, contact me after the service. We'll get you connected, get your tent, get you rolling again. Uh, or maybe you'll never want to do this again. But I want you to think about why God would make this such a festive time for an entire nation. Well, it was festive because, again, remember, all the families are coming together, and on each one of the properties, they each had this sukkah. Now, here's why that was so important. In agriculture, the crops meant everything, the harvest meant everything. So they would build these buildings, these temporary fixtures, because uh, when the harvest was coming in, they would actually, the owners of these land uh, would go out and they would camp to protect their land. So they make sure nobody would steal anything from their land. So they, they knew that this wasn't just for the celebration. It was a part of their everyday life that they would build these structures. But during this time, they would gather up their family and they would just start this journey to the holy city and they would stay in these temporary shelters and they would stay in shelters, but there were shelters built all over the place. And so families just imagine thousands of people, pilgrims moving together and they had celebrations and offerings every day to draw them to the Lord, but they reflected daily on what God had done in their lives. They loved celebration and we do too. Let's be honest. We love celebration. Um, if you're like me, I, I wonder sometimes people who come to our country and look at how and what we celebrate. Have you ever wondered how people would view us if they lived here and how we celebrate Christmas? Because we would randomly say, oh, Christmas, yes, that's one day a year. It's on December 25th. And then they'd get to know us, and they'd realize Christmas actually begins July 5th. So it's 4th of July. Woo! Okay, let's get out the Christmas decorations. You know, everybody's shopping and going crazy because it's this anticipation leading up to Christmas. Now, that was this celebration. I mean, it was such just high on the anticipation scale. The kids and the families, they couldn't wait to go to this particular festival because it lasted so long. And does anybody love Christmas more than Indiana? I mean, who else has Santa Claus? Huh? Only we have Santa Claus, Indiana. You know what I'm saying? Only us, okay? So we know all about this, but we should put ourselves in their shoes and say, oh, I'm beginning to understand why this was so important to their culture, and it should be important to us. But there's a word, the more I studied, that kept coming up time and time again about the importance of these shelters. And here's the word. It's the word temporary. They were temporary structures. Matter of fact, they were built from the land these weren't structures that were made to last for years and years, and you were to take the leaves and the branches for your coverings at the top because it was built to move just like the Exodus. It was not built to be nice, but it was built to be temporary. Think about temporary in your walk with Jesus Christ. Psalms 119.19 says, I am a stranger and a temporary resident on earth. Hide not your commandments from me. 2 Corinthians 4.18 we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is 
unseen, for what is seen is what? Temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and verse 17, uh, Peter talks about, I am a temporary resident on this earth. Temporary. We are here, and it is temporary. One of the hardest things in the ministry by far over these years uh, is doing funerals in March. I think I counted the other day. I've had four funerals so far in March. And uh, just the other day I had a funeral, and the guy was uh, the exact same age as me. So I'll just be honest. I read that obituary a little slower than I read most because I'm like, you know what? There are no guarantees. Life is temporary. And time and time again, God through his word is saying, you need to understand that life really is temporary. It is a mist. So make sure that you realize that we are visiting this world, but we're living for the next world. That's what this is all about. And when they were in those temporary huts, that was the same message. Remember, they wandered. Our folks, our people, they wandered for over 40 years. They were disconnected, trying to find their way to God. But this is temporary. There's another world beyond this. Those shelters truly mattered. Matter of fact, I was thinking about a story that I've read time and time again, and it took on a whole new meaning because of this feast. It's the Mount of Transfiguration in Mark chapter 9. You know the story. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he climbs up on a mountain with them. And then who appears but Elijah and Moses? I mean, I can't even imagine that moment. I mean, just to be in the splendor of God's glory, being in the splendor of Christ, and here is Moses. Think about that, Moses and Elijah. And then Peter has the most interesting observation. And for years, I'm like, what was he asking? Do you remember what he asked Jesus? He said, Jesus, why don't we build some what? Shelters. And I thought, what a weird thing to ask. And now I get it. I mean, all of his life, he had been a part of this amazing festival where they build these shelters. He's like, Jesus, I can't think of anything better than can we just build a shelter? I don't want this to end. I want to sit down and I want to break bread with you. And I'd love to talk to Moses and Elijah. Jesus, can't we just stay here for a while? And it makes perfect sense. And of course, Jesus did what? He said, no, it's time to go back down the mountain. See, all of us need to get back to the basics. In fact, I'd like you to just flip over to the New Testament to John chapter 7 because what we shared last week and what you need to remember about all these festivals is they parallel Jesus Christ. And Jesus makes his way to every one of these seven festivals throughout the scriptures. And we're going to find out he does it again. On this amazing festival, Jesus shows up. And that what you love about Jesus? He just, just keeps showing up. So in John chapter 7, I want to give you just a little bit of background of what's going on. In John chapter 7, the Feast of Tabernacles is going on, and his followers, the disciples, they're begging Jesus, Jesus, you got to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. Everybody's asking for you, and Jesus said, it's not my time yet. And then a few days into the festival, remember it ran a whole week, a few days later, Jesus went into the city. And he was a part of the festival, but he started teaching in the synagogues, and it said people were amazed. Now, here's the other thing that I love about this festival. At this festival, the very last day, there was a grand conclusion to the festival, and it was the drink offering. It was the very last thing they did. 
Every day they'd have a drink offering, but on this particular day, the priest would come out with a golden bowl of water, and the entire nation would march around the priest seven times. Now imagine an entire nation marching seven times, and they're waving palms, and it's a, it is a celebration. I mean, Cool and the gang would have loved this. I mean, it is a pure celebration. All right, I want to read this from the book, The Seven Festivals of the Messiah by Edward Chumney. And listen to how he describes this. The drama of the water-drawing ceremony took on a whole new dimension when Jesus attended the Feast of the Tabernacles. On the seventh day of the feast, the Hashanah Rabbah, which literally means the great Hosanna, the great salvation, the festival activities were different from those of the previous six days when the priests circled the altar in procession, singing from psalms. But on the seventh day of the feast, the people circled the altar seven times. That is why this day is called Hashanah Rabbah, as they cried out, save now, seven times. So picture this, entire nation and the palms, and they're going around the water sacrifice. And what are they saying time and time again? God, save us now. Save us. And it just keeps building and building. Save us, Lord. Save us, Lord. And then I want you to listen to verse 37 and 38. And at the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. You see what Jesus just did at the climax of this festival at the most amazing time in this amazing celebration it dies down just a little bit and in a loud voice Jesus stands out in front of the entire nation and says I am the living water now folks if that isn't a drop the mic and let's go to Disney moment I don't know what is seriously think about that imagine the ripple effect people look around and going did he just say He's the one. We've just been crying out, Lord, save us, Lord, save us. And he just said, he's here to save us. And just let that sink in and what that would have meant. When Jesus said, however thirsty you are, I can quench that. I am the living water. It means everything. It means going back to the basics of our life. To never forget that all of us are on a journey and that we need to remember what that journey was like without God. You see, that's what God said. Every year you get together, and as you tell the story, you tell the story about wandering for 40 years. So let me ask you, do you remember your life before Christ? Do you remember what it was, how you would wander away from God? And you knew it. You knew you were doing things completely polar opposite of where you should be. And you just began to wander from his presence. And that's a dangerous place to be. I grew up near a lake, and uh, one of the things we used to love to do, other than chase girls, was we would we'd get these huge truck inner tubes, big semi-truck inner tubes, and um, you'd lay on them in a lake. That, this, this is a poor man's vacation. You'd lay in that thing, and then you just float. Oh, it's glorious. And then every so often, you'd almost fall asleep in that. And that's not good, because you'd fry and then the second thing was you'd fall asleep, and the next thing you know, you'd, you'd wake up, you don't know where you're at, and like you're in cattails, 
And you know, back in the day, this is in the 70s, you just knew Jaws was right behind. I mean, you just could hear the music, you know, oh, yeah. We all know what it's like to drift. We know what it is to wander. And we should all know what that's like spiritually. We just start drifting away from God. So God says, hey, you need to stop and ask, are you wandering? Some of you right now, you need to ask, am I drifting right now from God? And then the second basic is you should always remember who provides living water. Who's providing the living water in your life? One of the things over the years that I've enjoyed is collecting uh, titles from country western songs because I tell you, nobody does it better than country western musicians. So let me share a few heart-gripping titles with you that I love. I changed her oil and she changed my life. (laughs) That's a good one. How could you believe me when I said I love you? When you know I've been a liar all my life. That's a good one. Here's a great one. Sure. This is a good bumper sticker. If the phone don't ring, it's me. There it is. Now, here's my favorite, most heart-gripping title. Her teeth were stained, but her heart was pure. Uh, Well, there's a Hallmark card just waiting to happen right there. But seriously... I tell you a song that got my attention immediately. Every so often, I just channel surf. I just listen to all different types of music. And as soon as I heard the title of this song, I'm like, there's such a powerful story here. And the more I listen, I'm like, wow. And the story of the song, or the title of the song is called Wine to Water by T. Graham Brown. Let me just share with you just a couple of the lyrics. You've heard a multitude of prayers on my behalf. I pray one more is not too much to ask. I've tried to fight this battle by myself, but it's a war that I can't win without your help. So many times I've hurt the ones that I love. I push them to the edge of giving up. They've stood by me, but how much more can they stand if I don't put this bottle in your hands? Tonight, I'm as low as a man can go. I'm down and I can't fall much farther. And once upon a time, you turned the water to wine. And now, on my knees, I'm turning to you, Father. Could you help me turn the wine back to water? I think over the years, how many people that I've been with, and they're just broken. Times that I've been broken. And I cry out, God, can you, can you put a, a miracle in my life? Can you bring a miracle? I mean, I know you turned water into wine, but can you take someone who's drinking all the wrong things in life, that are pursuing all the wrong things in life, and can you help them get back to you? That's where all of us need to be. Because if we're not careful, we thirst for all the things in life that never fill us up. And we never turn our lives over to the living water, the everlasting water. I want you to think about the power of water and what that means in your life, in my life. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci said this, water is the driving force of all nature. And then I love what John Piper said. God pictures himself as a mountain spring of clean, cool, life-giving water. The way to glorify a fountain like this is to enjoy the water, to praise the water, to keep coming back to the water, and to point other people to the water to get strength from the water, and to never, never, 
never prefer any drink in the world over this water. Where are you this morning? I mean, what is it you really are thirsting for? What is the void in your life that you need this? When we talk about living water, you need Jesus Christ. What is that? And for some of you, that's what you're battling. You're here this morning, and you're going through the motions, but you're not where you need to be, and there's a void there, and you're, you're trying everything to fill that void, and Jesus said, I am the living water. Are you willing to let Christ take your life?